Hello, and welcome to another episode of Just Talk with Joe Meyer. I'm your host today, Joe Meyer, and thank you for being here with me once again as I kick off another episode. Uh, I know it's been a couple weeks, and I'm sorry about that, folks. I know sometimes I get really wrapped up and just honestly tired. <laughs> um, and it's not that I don't have anything to say to all of you out there, um, but sometimes it's just I'm tired, I'm exhausted, um, you know, working full-time, part-time as well at night. So by the time the weekend comes, for many of you out there, um, I'm just tired and I just feel like I need to rest. And, um, and I want to have some inspiration to talk to you guys, right? I don't want to feel like, oh, you know, he doesn't have anything to say, you know? Um, he doesn't have, you know, um, you know, he doesn't have something important to say, right? Well, I do have important things to say, you know, and I hope for many of you out there, you do listen to me, right? I hope so, you know, that's my um, intention. But it's so important that I go through this point in my life where I just go through things with all of you out there, you know, and you hear me out, right? And hopefully some of the things that I go through, you go through as well, and we could help discover um, those issues together, right? So I think it's important that, you know, we as people go through stages in our life that sometimes we're not feeling our best. Sometimes we're not feeling good enough. And I feel like that a lot sometimes. And although, you know, I have my family, which I love, my wife, my daughter, and they love me back. Um, sometimes I just don't feel good enough. And many people will see me and they'll look at me and they're like, Joseph, you're great. You are, you have everything. What are you talking about? And one would say, yeah, I have everything. I have my family. I have my daughter. Um, I have a job. You know, I have money. Well, I'm not rich, obviously, but I have money, <laughs> you know. Um, and I always like to go by the statistic. If you have $5 in your bank account, which some people don't, then you're richer than most people in the world today. And if you think about people in other countries like um, India, for instance, where $5 to them, although it may not seem all that much to us, can be a great deal to them, you know? So we have to appreciate that. With everything going on in the world today, right? We have COVID. We have you know, weather, we have climate change, we have racism, we have homelessness, we have you know, hate, we have 
um, white supremacy. We have you know, all these different things that affect our lives. And many of you out there may be like, well, you know, certain things don't affect you maybe. Maybe they don't, but some things do. Politics is another area that we are very, very divisive in, in this country, right? Just an incredible amount of hate in today's world of politics, right? And it's unfortunate that people have to act that way. I'm not saying don't be passionate. I'm not saying don't have an opinion. I'm not saying that. I'm saying don't spread hate. Don't make hate a part of your messaging. Don't make hate a part of your heart, right? And many of you who've heard me speak over the, over the time understand that hate is one of those things that we should try to get rid of in our hearts, you know? Um, but I find myself doing it sometimes. I find myself angry. I'll give you a really prime example, right? And this is just me speaking. I've been exercising a lot. I've been running every morning or every afternoon whenever I get a break in at work and I can fit uh, uh, 45 minutes to an hour and I go huff it and puff it at the park. And I'm, I'm starting to lose weight, you know, and I'm eating better. I'm drinking a lot of more water. And the pounds are you know, slowly melting away, which is great. But one thing that really bugs me <laughs> is when I run to the park, there's many cases, there's always somebody in my path. Always. And I know, I don't own the park, people. That The park is for everybody, right? You know, but it just really bugs me. I feel like getting angry and telling them, get the fuck out, get it out of the way. You know what I mean? Get out of the way. I'm running here. But that wouldn't be right, right? That wouldn't. Because they have a right to be there as well as much as I do. If they want to walk, and, and you know what? I was one of those people. Before, I just used to walk. And walk and walk. And people used to run past me and ride their bikes. And I was probably in their way too. And they were probably thinking, get this you know, guy out of my way. Get out of my way. And it's just, you know, I, I can work around it. I can. It's not a big deal. But it's just one of my frustrations. The other frustration is, you know, do I believe that, you know, COVID is, is running rampant in our country and the world? Of course I do. Absolutely. Do I believe you have to wear a mask every single minute of the day, especially when you go to the park and there's nobody around? No. I'm sorry. And many of you have probably told me, um, or have heard me say that. It's really quite frustrating when there's nobody around and people are wearing a mask. Now, as far as I know, the air is not contaminated. We didn't have a, a nuclear fallout or anything like that where the, you know, we have the air is filled with radiation or whatnot, you know. COVID is passed from person to person, right? Now, I can understand if, you know, I'm walking two feet next to somebody, yeah, I'll put my mask on, Okay. But if I'm walking 20 feet from somebody, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to put my mask on, right? Some of you may not agree with my, with, with how I feel. Because many of you may say, oh, well, Joseph, you know, the, the virus can travel, you know, and gets into your lungs and, and you breathe it in, right? And then you get sick and die, right? Well, 
that's the worst case scenario, you know. But I'm I'm working on that. It's another frustration of mine. Another frustration. <laughs> when I look at writers, because I, I consider myself a writer. And you see people who, for instance, and I'll just mention a name because it's just this writer's on the top of my mind. I don't know if this person's a good writer, bad writer. It's just the situation kind of bugs me a little bit, but I, I maybe it shouldn't. I shouldn't let it bug me. But there was one writer by the name of um, new writer actually, or new author published named T.J. Newman, right? And she just wrote a book, and she was a flight attendant for ten years. She wrote a book while she was, you know, doing her job on a red eye when people were asleep, right? And she apparently says that she had, you know, 41 rejections for her book. And finally, she got her book published, a multi-million dollar deal. It's also have a uh, movie in the works now with um, Universal. And she's 36 years old. She's never had another book published as far as I know. She doesn't have anything out there as far as I know, a blog or anything like that. It's just a book. First time author, right? That ticks me off. It pisses me off because there are writers out there out like myself who spend years trying to get published and published. And again, I don't know how long she's tried, you know? She could have put, sent her um, manuscript 41 times in a month for all I know. Who, who knows, right? I, I really don't, right? I guess what, what's really upsetting is like, um, yeah, should we be happy for writers who get published and, and really make it? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I believe we should. You know, we should say, oh, another one made it. Awesome. And maybe I shouldn't complain because I'm still in the middle of writing my book or editing it and going through it and trying to perfect it. And I haven't gotten to the point of submitting it to editors yet. So maybe I shouldn't complain about myself because there may be an editor out there that one day will pick up my future manuscript and turn it into a big novel and I'll get a movie deal and who knows, my dreams will all come true, right? <laughs> I'll get a multi-picture, you know, multi-million dollar book deal, right? Who knows, right? All I know is there's a lot of competition out there, you know? She's one of millions of, of people trying to get a book authored or, or, you know, published, right, out there, right? Um... That's very passionate to me with my writing, right? Because I hope to turn it into a book. What well, is a book, technically? It's just not published, right? Does that? But that's what's important, right? Some people do not want to publish. They just want to write it and keep it for themselves, and which is fine. That's their choice. I want to turn my published work, my work, my manuscript into a book one day, into a published book, I should say, right? So hopefully one day I will get there, you know? I'm still fairly young, 41, right? I still have plenty of years, but I really don't want to take 10 years to write one book, right? I, I want to have, you know, if, if I can make this one work, edit it time and time again. If somebody's willing to work with me and edit it over time um, and make it work and turn it into a perfected piece of work, then great, I'll do it, you know? But even that, I doubt myself sometimes because is my work a piece of trash? In my opinion, no. 
you know, but it's my first real attempt and I've been at it for a couple years, it seems. That's what it feels like, you know. I don't want to rush the process. I don't have all the time to spend every single day devoted to the book. I, I usually typically write it on the weekends, on the evenings. If I'm not too tired, I'll write it then or I'll, I'll edit it then. I'm halfway through through my second draft. So previously, my first or yeah, my first draft, I think it was 371 pages. Okay, and that's double spaced. Um, it was about 131,000 characters. Um, this book is going to, the, the revision is going to be uh, significantly shorter because there's a lot of things I cut out because that they weren't adding to the story. They just, they didn't add anything. Um, so, I mean, I've cut out quite a significant amount, but the, the, the story is still there. It's still the same story. It's just, there are pieces that I go in there and add, um, and that's part of the editing process. You're like, oh, I don't like this. I'm going to add something a little different add the wording I'm gonna be a little bit more descriptive here and pop that in there and then keep going and then eventually you get to the finished edited and this what's different about this edited version I'm adding chapters more chapters in there adding um, parts in the book um, which is much farther than I went in my you know first or you know first draft or second draft so um, I'm getting there it's working, you know, in time. But anyways, enough about my book. Um, I also write blogs, as many of you know. So I just put out a blog today, which was actually in continuation of my Life in the Circus um, blog, which today I'm actually in the process of writing about Joseph Merrick, which is the Elephant Man, right? And I find his story incredibly interesting and sad. You know, um, just to tell you a little bit about Joseph Merrick, obviously Joseph the Merrick, the elephant man, was commonly referred to as John Merrick, but his name is not John Merrick. Um, his name is Joseph Merrick, okay? Um, born in 1800s, you know, pretty much um, what he went through basically is just horrific as far as physically. Many of you probably have seen the movie. And if you haven't, I encourage you guys to watch The Elephant Man with Anthony Hopkins. Right? Incredible movie. Incredible black and white movie, but it's so hard to watch. You know, um, I forget the other gentleman that the who played The Elephant Man. Uh, oh, geez, I forget. Um, let me see here. I forget his name, but he is an incredible actor as well. That's not very helpful. <laughs> yeah, let's see here. Movie. Oh, John Hurt. That's right, John Hurt. Oh, and there was Anne Bancroft, which is also great. Um, some of these people, surprisingly, are still alive. <laughs> well, the movie was made in the 80s. Of course, they're still alive. <laughs> um, but except John Hurt. He passed, I believe. You know, see, even in the movie version, they call him John Merrick. But his name is actually, his real name is Joseph Merrick. Okay, so it's just really interesting. I've always had an interest in that person because he is a person, 
but he was also considered a a freak, a circus freak. But just what the amazing thing about his his story is that um, you know early in life he didn't suffer from you know the the illness or or where the, the deformities that he that he had later in life, right? Um, he was you know let me see how old he was. I think he was born, uh, so he was born in 1862, so he was 27 years old. Wow, he was so young, right? A long life, 1862 to 1890. That is really unfortunate. He was so young, right? And, you know, he, he's going to be in, obviously, the history books um forever right and just incredible uh, deformities that he went through but of course during those times when individuals went through anything like that whether they were different loss of limbs they you know freakishly looking they had strange abilities um many times the families would um disown them would just kick them out of the home but in, in my series Life in the circus. Life in the circus from history, uh, um, the history of the circus, and I'm writing about the performers, whether it's the wild animal acts, the clowns, whatnot, in the 19th and 20th century and 21st century. Writing about how those circuses have progressed. Obviously, the circuses of today don't exist as much. As far as what the original circus was was about, as far as having animals, you know, and that's because of um, organizations like PETA, activists who feel like, hey, you know what, you're abusing the animals. Now I admit, you you, you should never abuse animals, and and one would say, well, it's it's not natural for an animal to do tricks. Okay, I get that. That's that's what you think. Now. And, and maybe an animal like a bear or an elephant or a cheetah or a lion, they're, they're not really meant for that. And I get that, okay? But that can, does that mean they can't do those things? Of course not. If you treat the animal humanely, then it should be okay, right? But I guess most people want to see an animal in a sanctuary or in the wild and just being free, right? Being free, you know? And not being told to, you know, do tricks, you know, for an audience. Um, I don't know. I love the circus. I've always loved it. Even when they had animals, I never felt like they looked like the animals were being abused. But yeah, maybe it was unnatural. I grew up in the 80s. So I would go to Circus Vargas and Ringling Brothers quite regularly whenever they're in town. I also went to the escapades, which was quite interesting. You know? I love the escapades. Um, we always went to the Disney escapades, which Disney on Ice. And I've seen like, well, when I was a child, I would see, um, I think I saw Peter Pan, uh, Lion King. I saw the Disney and Friends. So I, I saw a variety of different ones, which was really fun. And being in Los Angeles at the time, we used to head down to the Coliseum and watch them. 
and uh, perform, and it was a great show. I, I just I had a great fun time, and uh, but I also love seeing the circus. I used to get a stuffed elephant, and I used eating our snow cones, and our dad used to take us. Right, I can't take my daughter to a circus anymore. It's it's really sad, you know. I mean, Ringling Brothers ended in I think 2017. You know, they closed shop after I think 150 years in business, right? Could they have kept going without animals? It's possible. But would they have been as successful without animals? Who's to know, right? I mean, Ringling Brothers was huge. And if they have a lot of expenses, you know, they could have, you know, easily probably wind down their size a little bit, you know, not be as big, you know. But I'm not sure if that's something they wanted to do, right? Sometimes things in our life, whether it's the circus or a situation, ends. And it has to end naturally and we just have to let it go, you know. I mean, things in this world um, leave us every day, right? That we just have to let it go and know that it had its time and things in our life Obviously, we go older every day. We have our time. We'll pass on one day, pass away, and that will be our time. But as we get older, life changes. You know, I think about that a lot. You know, and I think about that because I teach college students who are very young, sometimes as young as 18. But I I look back on my life back then, which I know it was 22 years ago. 23, excuse me, when I was 18, right? That's a long time. That's a long time. may not seem that long, but that's a long time, you know? And those 23 years went pretty fast. And if you think about how long once another 23 goes by before you retire or get to the point of retiring, boom, there's your life. Before you know it, you're 40. Then it's 45, 50, 65. 70 and then you're you're about to retire and then or you could even die before then you know and that's how life passes you by so quickly right do i have regrets absolutely i made some major mistakes in my life um one of those mistakes was very early in my life in 18 which i got um into a college called cal state maritime academy where, which was in Vallejo, California, north, up north, right? I was going to go to school to be a, what's called like a merchant marine, or the, the program, it was a Bachelor's of Science in Marine Transportation. So I would be working on large ships and be a, a midshipman. And to be honest, I be honest with you, I don't even know why I applied for that school. I wanted to go to school to do something within the ocean, I wanted to do something that dealt with, you know, ocean animals or oceanography. But deep down, I just felt I wasn't as intelligent to do those things. I didn't have the motivation. I didn't have the drive to do those things. I wish I, I, wish I had woken up back then and said, Joseph, damn it, go do it. If you want to be a marine biologist, Joseph, you go do it. If you want to be an oceanographer, go do it. Don't let anybody hold you back. And that's how I felt. I've always, that was my dream. 
to be a marine biologist, right? And I know that it sounds so exciting to everybody, but that was my dream. That was my dream. And I wasn't great at math and I wasn't great at science. And some of you may out there may say, oh, well, of course, Joseph, well, how, you need to know those things very well if you want to be a marine biologist. And I'm like, yes, I know that. Could I have went to school, went to college to learn it and still would have been okay? It's possible if I had applied myself. But early in my life, I had self-doubt. Early in my life, I felt like, and even to the day, to this day, to a certain degree, I feel like I'm worthless. I have no value. And that's probably one of the reasons back in 2007, I tried to end it all. Unfortunately, thank goodness I didn't. But I was very close. Because I was looking at my life. These are hard. This is always hard to talk about sometimes because it's, you know, I, I try to let it go, but it's hard to. I was living in my father's house, house of hell, you know, my grandmother's house, grandfather's house. And during that time in my life, I was very young. I was, you know, 20s. My Grandfather was still alive at that time. He was going through his late stage Alzheimer's or dementia. I'm not really sure which one, um, to be honest with you. Um, so we had to take care of him there. I, I, Although I had a certain amount of freedom to go as I wished, um, it was hard seeing those things, especially being in that house. But I didn't have an, a lot of choices because the other house that I could have got stuck in was the real house of hell which is where my other grandfather was the one that basically verbally abused me for most of my life from a very young age until adulthood, adulthood, right? Most people don't understand, especially the, the abusers, what damage you do to your kids when you treat people like trash from a very young age and the damage you're going to do to them when they get older. You think you're disciplining them. You think you're doing the right thing. You think that, oh, well, I'm just trying to, you know, hearten them up. You know, they need to, you know, hearten up a little bit, you know. And that's not the way you do it. That is not the way you raise a child to be that way. I'll tell you how I raise my daughter a little bit, okay. I give her freedom. I tell her I love her. I tell her I'm proud of her. I tell her that, you know, she could be whatever she wants to be in life. And no one can tell her she cannot. Now, she will get to an age one day where hopefully she'll come to me and mom and ask for advice on, you know, on on helping her guide her towards a path, which that's part of my job as a parent to do. Now, can I tell her what to do? No, I will not force her to do something in her life she does not want to do. But I will give her my honest wisdom as far as what to expect if she chooses certain paths, right? I don't know what that's going to be one day. Who knows? You know, when you look at your kids, you don't realize how incredibly important they could be. They're important to us regardless. 
but how important they could be into this world. You know, they could be the next doctor who, you know, discovers the cure for cancer, you know, or Alzheimer's or somebody who is a diplomat and serves the and solves the country's problems, ends homelessness. Who knows? You know, do you even realize what your kids could potentially do in this life? Good or bad, really. But really think about from the good side. That's what we really have to think about when we look at our kids and when we put them down and tell them they're stupid and they're worthless. They're going to grow up to think they're stupid and worthless. And then their potential is going to be shot because of you. And this is what pisses me off about parents. And I'm a parent too. Because parents these days, they beat their kids. They tell them how stupid they are, how worthless they are. um, Because that parent is the worthless one. That is the one who is not worth a damn in this life. You know? And this may sound really crude. But they're the ones who should take a bullet and just end it all. Because they're not doing any good for anybody. Especially the kids that are trying to have a chance at this life. And their parents are ruining it for them, right? You know, they're fortunate. You know, I I don't, obviously, I would never encourage anybody to kill themselves, you know? But you kind of think to yourself, like, are you really contributing positively to a person's life? Or are you making their life worse, right? I can only think of so many people in my life that have made my life better. You know, obviously my mom is one of them. My wife, my daughter, my sister, my father to a certain degree, you know. Um, I have an uncle, you know, um, in Oregon. Even though he's not really involved in my life, you know, I still think about him and care for him. You know, he's... We have, I, I really don't have a lot of family left or immediate family. I do have family here close to me, but we're not close. You know, I have some cousins, you know, aunts, great aunts, I should say, not my one, well, another aunt who lives in North Carolina, right, who's um, gay, you know, which is fine. Um, um, an uncle who, um, you know, was in the military. He works in food services. He's a chef. I'm not really sure what he does. Um, He works in a hospital, I think. Um, But he works in Oregon, you know. I hope to visit there one day, you know, and in the sense of taking the family because I love Oregon. I've been there one time. I went to Astoria, home of the Goonies, which I loved. It was incredible. I was only there for a couple days. I was there for a job interview and I was in the process in 2015. I was in the process of trying to relocate and get a job up there. Right? But unfortunately, the financial aspect was not the right time. I was broke. I didn't have a lot of money. I was in between jobs. And I was trying to get a job over there. And I actually got hired. Um... They were called um, Wana Credit Union, and they were in Warrington, Oregon, right next to Astoria. So I had it right there. Everything was prepared. 
the scene was set, right? But my mom was very sick. And in, I think it was August of 2015, I got hired to that. And then I, I believe in December of that same year, my mom passed away. Right? She passed away a few months after that. And do I ever want to move back to go to Oregon? Of course I do. Do I would would I ever love moving there? Absolutely. You know, um, my job actually you know would allow me to work there out of, from home in Oregon because they have a, a corporate a main office one of their main offices in Oregon, so it would have been perfect. But it's hard because I have a sister here, a dad, a brother-in-law, who loves me and Dahlia, uh, my wife and. The, uh, my daughter Michaela and it would be very hard for them not for us to be here now you know obviously if I ever was to do that that would be my decision you know we all have choices to make for our own lives I, I don't want to feel like I'm stuck here do I like California I've been here all my life but I'm to be honest I'm quite tired of living in California California is incredibly expensive you know and to me, you know, all the sunshine and everything, yeah, is there value to that? Yeah, there is. But could I adapt to living in other environments like Oregon where it rains a lot or snows? I'm sure I could. And where it'd be somewhat cheaper? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, most of my life story has been about me wanting to do things in my life and I feel like I couldn't. Because the question that I've always gotten when I wanted to do something like, I want to travel. Well, why do you want to travel there, Joseph? You know, one of my dreams is to travel to like, um, not Oregon, but Oregon's one of them, but Japan or um, Italy. I would love to go to those places and London and, um, you know, and, and see the world a little bit, you know. That's what I will tell my daughter when she gets older and she gets to age. Hey, you want to go travel? Go travel. Go travel. Get your education. Go travel a little bit, you know, and, you know, um, and, and see, and, and see what it's like, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Alyssa, mom said to me, she's dropping off my kit. She's on the way. She's on my way. But is she going to come to, do you know if she's going to come to the door or? I think she's going to be outside. Let me ask Alyssa. Uh, does she need to open the gate or something? No, she can go. Okay, all right. Sorry, that was my daughter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just, um, Travel the world and get her education and, you know, and live life a little bit. And don't be so restricted to like, well, I got to do this first. I got to get an apartment and, and, and I'm going to support my daughter the best way I can because she'll always have a home in my, in our, in, to stay, you know, and I'm going to support her, you know. Um, I only hope the best for our kids. We always do, right? We always hope that our kids... Um, do better than us in life. 
I certainly know that I want my daughter to do better than me and be better than me in this life. But other than that, I just have to live my life, work, you know, teach, raise the family, take care of the bills, make sure we have a roof over our head. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Sometimes I'm not strong. I'm really not. I don't necessarily think about ending my life or anything like that, so don't get concerned. I just, there are points, and I'm sure we all feel like this, is that sometimes you don't know if you're doing enough. You look around, and although we're not supposed to compare our life to other people, you see people pros uh, having prosperity, financial success, and you kind of look at your life and like, why can't I have that kind of success? Now, I'm not saying I'm unsuccessful. I'm unsuccessful in my own right as myself, as what I've done. And if you look at me from a resume standpoint, you may say, well, yeah, Joseph, you're successful. You have a bachelor's. You have a master's. You teach college. You, you, you have a job. You have a career. You know, what more do you want? You know? And I guess what I want is I want to have more of a career. I want to have more of the ability to have make more money. Because some people get in careers and they make a ton of money. Right? They become instant millionaires. Or they make so much money over time they become a millionaire. You know? Because they're paid very well. Am I paid horribly? No, I'm not. You know? I can't complain. You know, I shouldn't complain. But anyways. So anyways. Where am I at today, right? What am I doing? Right now, I'm just focused on getting, being healthier losing weight i'm trying to lose so so far since last month i just really really got really strict on myself so drinking lots of water eating better running which is i'm just running right now there's no gym around here so I'm running um and i think so far i've lost about 12 pounds 12, 13 pounds so far, which is awesome. I would like to lose another, you know, and this may seem like really drastic, but I total, I would like to lo lose about 40 pounds and get to a weight that I've never been before. You know, I've always been kind of on the um, chunkier side, <laughs> you know. I'm, when you look at me, I don't exactly look obese or anything like that. But you could tell in my face and just the way my, uh, you know, for certain people where, you know, their the way their weight kind of levels out throughout their body. I have very, you know, skinny legs. It's kind of more top heavy tummy, you know, back, 
you know, which again, I'm not, I don't look horrible, but I do look a lot better when I'm a lot more thinned down and, and, uh, you know, and that's hopefully what I'll get. Clothes definitely fit better. I feel better. I feel more healthier. You know, I feel like right now I have to be really restrictive with what I eat. Does that mean I starve myself? No, I don't starve myself, folks. I eat a breakfast, I eat lunch. Sometimes I eat a breakfast and then I eat lunch slash dinner during a certain time, so that counts as two. I don't eat three meals a day sometimes. I drink lots of water now, tons of water. I take my vitamins and that really does help me. You know, that really does help me. So um, it's working, you know, really at the, uh, when I'm at the park, this is the music I listen to in most cases. This is one of the songs. All right, but this gets me really pumped up, all right? So listen here. I'm going to pause real quick, folks. I'll be right back. All right, folks, I am back. So this is kind of where I was left leaving off here. But.
That song really pumps me up, you guys. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but when I'm listening to that song, um, it just really pumps me up, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just huffing and puffing, man. I'm just like, um, I, I, you know, I'm just kind of going at full speed ahead, you know. So, I, I, it really is helping me, you know. I listen to other music too, obviously, but um, that that's one of them. I love the Rocky theme; that gets me going. It's a um, that that pumps me up. I have the tiger. I have the tiger. I won't sing it to you guys, but <laughs> you get the song. You know the lyrics. But um, but anyways, um, just keep pushing. You know, um, I think you know one of the things that really you know makes me feel good about myself is the fact that I need to take care of my body. I need to. Um, do that because it it directly relates to my mental health, to my feelings of self-worth, right? Um, So, I've been going through this for years, to be honest with you. Trying to better myself physically, mentally. But my physical body fluctuates over the years. Sometimes I'm really thin. Sometimes I'm really not thin. And it just depends because of my lifestyle. Um, uh, Of eating out too much at times, right? Not drinking enough water. Not exercising enough. All these factors are contributing to um, how healthy I am, how much weight I gain, whatnot. You know? So, again, it's just... We, I know most of us tend to go through all this, right? So, but anyways. <sighs> Hopefully, you know, the thing about it is that... The thing about it is that this world, you know, in, in my opinion, to a certain degree, and this is my opinion, they hate, people hate the obese, people hate... The gordos, the fat people. And being in my family, I'm not saying we're obese or anything like that. But I'm going to say that, you know, my family has struggled with their weight for most of their life. It's really quite true. And I have seen firsthand how people in my family are discriminated against as far as how they look. Right? Um, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that that people are treated that way. Right? Um, I really don't know what else to say about that. You know, other than the fact that it, it upsets me. Um, it angers me. And it just feels like we have to conform to what this world wants us to be like. Which is stick thin. And maybe you may not feel that way, but the world definitely treats you better when you're thin. Even if you're a damn anorexic, they will treat you better because they feel like thin is in, right? You know, and are there obese, large, so many different terms you can call them. I personally don't like calling people fat, but hey, it is fat, right? I'm fat. (laughs) 
I have a tummy, you know, it's fat. What else is it, right? It's not water, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but um, it's just the ultimately just respect, you know. And one of the people in my life that I always remember is my aunt, Elizabeth, who struggled with her weight for most of her life until she passed at a very young age, right? And um, in her job, people, there were times when I remember she would tell me and she would be crying and sad that her coworkers would report her because because she was a bigger woman. She was, she was over six feet tall, mind you, but she was still a big woman. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, she was 500 pounds. She wasn't like that. But she, she was still, you know, she, she carried a lot of weight on her, on her body. Um, and one of the, um, I don't know, side effects to obesity and being overweight sometimes or being very overweight is your, you know, your skin exudes this kind of rip, this ugly scent or smell. And it's probably, in my opinion, it's probably because the, the, the flaps between the skin, which I know sounds really disgusting, are, you know, you know, sweating and, and it's just like an armpit. I, I don't know how I can explain it, but I've had where been next to people who are massively obese and they have this really, really, really strong odor, right? Now, I... I don't like to automatically think, well, they don't bathe. They don't take a shower. I'm sure they do. And my aunt bathed and took showers and she took care of herself. But it's something within, you know, as part as being larger at times, right? Now, I don't know if everybody has it. That's just my experience, right? I, I have never experienced anything like that, right? And I really don't want to. But, you know, people discriminate and treat you differently when you're obese, and and I remember another time my sister and mom went to like a Marie Callender's and this is a story they told me is that they you know they wanted to watch what they're eating and they ordered like a small soup and salad or something like that and the waiter brought them a large soup and the waiter said oh well I just thought that's what you would want oh why because we're we're bigger people we're obese we're fat what what you know, so that really upset me when I heard that, you know, you know, so that really bothered me. Um, and sometimes my, you know, I don't know, I, I don't want to use the word like discuss because, you know, we're all human beings here. Um, but Sometimes I do feel like when I look at somebody who's massively large, I wonder like, you know, are you okay with being that way? And I don't think most people are. But there are those who, who don't really fully, in my opinion, want to um, do anything about it, Right. They don't want to go run on a treadmill. And some of you may say, well, Joseph, some people can't. They have a very hard time move, moving. And, you know, I understand that. I, I get that, right? But people should at least try, right? 
take a walk, work up, work their tolerance up from there, you know? That's just my opinion, but, you know, but anyways, um, anyways, ah, those, these discussions are really hard sometimes because I, I, I want to be sensitive to to the people out there as well, right? And sometimes people take offense, like, how dare you say that? How dare you? You are ignorant, Joseph. I'm not. I'm not ignorant. I am self-reflective. I am somebody who is constantly reflecting on myself, my life, other people around. I want to be sensitive to those individuals in this world, right? Because we all have to survive in this world, right? But we see that in this system, and I'll use this word because I'm still, I don't, may not use it properly, but in this system of the way we live out today, we live in a caste system, meaning we live in a system where um, people are put in classes, right? And there is the lower class, you know? And then there's upper class, middle class, you know? So I just, you know, anyways, <laughs> I'm getting off topic now. But anyways, um, well, everybody, I think we had a very long conversation today. And I know it's been almost an hour trying to get back into the swing of things again and trying to give you my thoughts on things. And hopefully, you know, it wasn't you didn't just think I was just rambling on, you know, <laughs> you know, but maybe you did. Maybe you did think I was rambling on, but, but anyways, um, I just want to thank you for everyone for being here. Thank you for listening me ramble, right? And, uh, I appreciate your time and appreciate this conversation, right? And being here with me. Thank you everybody. And I'm just going to end with our song. That I started with.
Thank you everyone for your time. And once again, this is Just Talk with Joe Meyer. Having our conversation today. Thank you for being here with me. God bless everyone. Have a blessed week, a weekend. Be safe out there. Wear your masks. Protect yourself. Protect your family. And just thank you. Again, I can't say thank you enough. Many of you may not listen to me all the time. Many of you may not even know who I am because I'm really a nobody in the essence of this world. But at least my voice has meaning in my opinion. I hope it does. And hopefully you learn from me in some fashion about who I really am. Thank you everybody. And God bless.